0: All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I guess it's not really Twitter anymore, but we, we don't even have to worry about that. Uh, we're, we're brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. And I am joined by an incredible guest, a special guest. Free Mastis is here, everybody. She is one of the hosts of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast, does fantastic work for Mile High Sports and uh, for every platform that she's a part of, including 850 KOA, which you can tune into now. Uh, you've been hosting and guest hosting with Nick Ferguson. Uh, I was on that show just a few days ago, and let me tell you, it's fun. It's it's a fun time to be there and to enjoy all of the great nuggets and Broncos and Yeah, the avalanche of the Broncos, that's a a thing as well. But, uh, Bree, thank you so much for stopping by on your busy week. How are you doing?
1: I know, a really busy week. And as you alluded to over on Broncos Country Deny Monday through Wednesday, if you'd like to listen to any of those episodes, please do. Not an ad, but really fun time. I did have to talk a little Rockies on Tuesday as they were coming off of the game as we went live, but a ton of fun. I always love it when you're able to join the show and answer some Nuggets questions that we have. But yeah, we, we talk about all sports. It's not just Broncos, but as football is ramping up this week, it's training camp week. We're going to focus on the Denver Broncos. Uh, it's really hard to get over that high of that Nuggets championship win.
0: It's it's kind of cool like i'm not gonna lie it's a it's a great thing to to be a part of a city that has always been either a broncos city but it's mostly a broncos city or a rocky city when you everybody's when when the rockies are actually rolling the avalanche then just most recently won a championship and if you're the if you're the nuggets like you were kind of the the stepchild for a little bit there and and wanted to get on the doorstep and wanted to really deliver a win so it's really cool to be able to see them uh kind of crash through that but you've been a part of that journey as well you've been following along you're a nuggets fan i see you at the games i see you like you and joey and zach and all the the let's talk broncos crew shout out to those guys uh, but you, you guys have always been supportive and so i'm gonna do my part as well we're gonna talk about supporting the broncos and the Nuggets right now, because I think that that's important. It's especially like now that the Nuggets have actually gotten the title, it's nice to not feel so oppositional in terms of like, oh man, it's us against the world. Like nobody cares about the Nuggets in town. Come on. So I guess we're just going to back ourselves up against the wall. Uh, it's not like that anymore, nor should it have been. Uh, but now there, there's really no excuse. Like we, we are all in this together as a as a Denver community, I think. And like now that we've all seen championship parades, except for the Rockies, Um, you can, you can at least like really appreciate and enjoy that aspect of it from pretty much every sport.
1: I was talking to somebody earlier today at training camp and we were talking just about that thing. If the Rockies had a championship parade, one, would it be the biggest thing to happen in the state of Colorado since the first Super Bowl win? I don't know. I don't know if I Mm -hmm. would attend. That's how far out I am on the Rockies, (laughs) but this is a, you know, a Nuggets Broncos podcast. So we won't go that far into it.
0: Yeah, no, there's I mean, they've they've alienated a lot of people for for obvious reasons. And it's unfortunate that that's the way that it's gone. I, I shout out to Drew Creusman. He's he's a yes. great Rockies guy for for us over at Mile High Sports. And that's, it's unfortunate that that's the way that this is gone. But I thought that it would be nice to uh, more or less kind of visit with somebody who covers the Broncos. The Broncos just had their first day of like real training camp today. They had kind of Gotten into the swing of things throughout this week and even before then. But now things have really started to ramp up and things are starting to really get exciting. So, the first thing I wanted you to do for us here is I wanted you to deliver your Denver Broncos elevator pitch. And what I mean by that, this is your 15 to 20 second spiel on why Denver Nuggets fans should care about the Broncos. What makes the Broncos this year? a team that they should feel invested in, that Nuggets fans should feel like, okay, it is now our turn to give support to the Denver Broncos team.
1: I think the Denver Nuggets fans have to reflect on the storied career of Michael Malone and what he's been able to do since 2015. The Denver Broncos are in a similar position right now, and they need the support of the state of Colorado to be able to go forward on their quest with a new quarterback, with a new coach, who's supposed to get the best out of that quarterback. We're looking for basically the best energy you can get out of the Mile High City Honestly, the storied franchise of the Denver Broncos needs no introduction. Eight Super Bowl appearances, three wins, and a myriad of talented quarterbacks and coaches. Is this a new era for the Denver Broncos, and should you expect change? If anything, it'll be a fun ride, and I think that's why you should be supporting the Denver Broncos. Not as hard as you were supporting the Denver Nuggets. We get it. You just came off a huge championship win, but do us a favor and send some of that luck our way. We definitely need it.
0: Totally get that, and honestly, you bring up a couple of great points there. First of all, I, I like the the ride reference there. Not all the way. Let's ride, uh, as as Russell Wilson did not quite go that far today. I, I was very I was very interested in, in that. I think Romy Bean uh, commented on that. She she posted uh, he finished uh, go Broncos as opposed to let's ride, which will forever live on an in infamy, unfortunately. But I do think that. Uh, so that's that's one aspect of it. The other is the oppositional aspect back in 2015, where you talk about how Nuggets fans kind of needed that support at that point. I remember that very strongly. I remember that, especially as the Broncos were winning their championship in 2016, uh, the February 2016. I remember very strongly feeling like the ugly re- uh, uh, step basically, of the uh, Denver sports scene. And how if you're a Nuggets fan, you're frowned upon. In terms of that, like it was it was definitely not cool to be a Nuggets fan for sure. Now, it almost, it's almost like not. I mean, it's, it's always going to be cool to be a Broncos fan. It's always it's always going to be like that's part of the, the Denver sports culture and aspect of it. But it is interesting to think about how those things kind of connect now and how basically everything is very cyclical. And now that the Nuggets are at their peak, like the Broncos are at their valley, and they need everybody's help.
1: Well, oh, I didn't know you were going to go so personal with it, Ryan, but yes, it is a bit of a valley here. The Denver Broncos are looking to claw their way out of a hole that's been downhill for most of the time since winning Super Bowl 50. There comes a question, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that later. Is this is this a step in the right direction? Is Sean Payton going to right the ship? Um Broncos country is notably um, a little bit impatient. Sometimes Uh, they've been spoiled and that includes me. They being all encompassing of winning and doing so with a quarterback that they bring out, bring in from the outside who has a successful career and then just going on to have more success in Broncos country. So there's a lot of things that go into play here, but that, that down in the dumps feeling doesn't feel good. How do you come back from that? And I think it starts from a foundation foundation. And Michael Malone had to put in a lot of work to kind of change from the way that the chaos was streaming into Nuggets Nation. And we're kind of in the same boat right now.
0: It, it certainly feels that way. There's there's a lot of like groundwork that has to be laid right now in terms of like how, why people should be getting on the bandwagon, why you should be investing in where the Broncos are at right now. Here are the things that we're doing at the ground level in order to really build up over the course of that time. And I, I like that. I, I think that's a good pitch and it's important for Nuggets fans to hear that as well, because it, it, it was pretty tough for everybody around here, but they, uh, they, they made it happen. And we're we're able to get through it.
1: When it um, starts to ramp up, you want to make sure you bought low. So, I'm yeah, exactly. it out
0: there. That's that's <laughs> easy finance analysis right there. Like, I mean, come on now, people. It's like, let's go. We're going to we're going to celebrate them at, at the ground level. And then when when we get up to the we get up to the penthouse, we can all celebrate together. Um, I want to talk about Russell Wilson here real quick. Russ is like. It, I think everybody kind of found him a little bit fake over the course of this last year. And the facade that he was kind of putting on of like, hey, every like he was the meme of every, everything's fine, everything's okay while the house is burning down around him. And I'm sure that I'm not the first person to make that comparison. But uh, it sort of felt like uh, it was – it kind of became a joke a little bit, the way that things were being handled, the way that things were really ending up. Why is this year going to be different for Russell Wilson? Why, why do you think – he can bring a little bit of different energy, bring a little bit different execution, and, and just a level of competence that just wasn't there last year.
1: I want to comment on your first point, because I think there was a lack of genuine um expression from Russell Wilson as things were sort of sol- starting to fall off the track and I think that really unsettled people because even the most positive um, leaders in a locker room are going to know when to rally the troops and know when you need to take a step back maybe take a breather and maybe don't throw out a moniker and try to keep your social media presence up which I think rubbed people the wrong way it may or may not have for the roster I don't know what the locker room was saying at that point there's in multiple reports uh, that it kind of got contentious, whether it was Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett or anything in between, because last season was a perfect storm of kind of what the F. And so I want to kind of point to that idea that it didn't feel genuine in the moment, but I, I think it's important to reflect on the fact that Russell Wilson has always been this sort of character. That's 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 who he is. That's his personality. And it may rub people the wrong way. Had the Broncos made the playoffs, had they had double digit wins, had they made a, a wild card berth, I think a conversation would have been a lot different. I think you could have honestly uh, seen it kind of got br- brushed under the rug. But because they went, uh, you know, a total of five wins, Broncos country was going to find something to be angry about. And there were so many ways to point in that direction. So with Russell Wilson, I, I want to say. You know, by low, obviously, the Denver Broncos knew that Russell Wilson had been struggling a little bit in Seattle. He'd been battling back from injuries. He had been shown a little bit of regression, and his relationship with Pete Carroll just really wasn't uh, working in the direction to make a long-term extension there for the Seahawks. So he finds himself anew with the Denver Broncos, and starting something new anywhere is usually kind of a task in itself. You have to learn a new system. You're coming in with a first-time head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who, unfortunately, and if you want more information on that, can reach on Peyton's comments that happened that he quickly walked back. Uh, the idea that it was not a good predicament for anybody involved. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding his introduction to uh, the state of Colorado and to the Mile High City. And a lot of that distracted from what the task at hand was. And that was, what does Russell Wilson do well? Uh, what does he still have left in the tank? I'm not going to say that he's aged himself out of the position of quarterback, but I think a lot of his talents that you saw early on in his career that won him a Super Bowl, that won him, um, you know, votes for uh, Pro Bowls like what we're talking about here is a Russell Wilson who maybe isn't as quick in the scramble. He came in a little bit heavier than you wanted to see just because he hadn't yet leaned out. He had a whole offseason um, to do so, and he's come back leaner and Meaner, hopefully. I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot of passion from Russell Wilson, and he's shown that he is a bit quicker. How much that lends to his quarterbacking in 2023, is it remains to be seen. Let's be a little patient and get through training camp. But I think Russell Wilson has something left in the tank. Sean Payton's job specifically coming into this year is to see what and how he can build the foundation around Russell Wilson to get success out of him. You're not promising anybody a Super Bowl. What you're promising is is you're going to take Russell Wilson, the athlete, the person, and you're going to give him the absolute ideal circumstances to succeed. That alone, the coaching structure that Sean Payton brings to this team should see at least a three-win or a four-win increase from last year. I know that's not a lot when you add it to five, but we're talking about a monumental increase in something that was just – leaving something to be desired in 2022, it felt like they had close calls. Games were only lost by one touchdown. They couldn't score points. The defense was doing their job. The offense wasn't. And I think Sean Payton has the um, ideal circumstances to be the ship that, you know, the tide that raises all ships. So I, I think that's why, you know, if you're, if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, who only has a very casual outlook on the Broncos, it's a very, um, I don't want to say convoluted but a more positive word for this is very complicated in what happened in the last seven years yeah it's nuanced in the last in the last two seasons we've had so much change it's gonna be a little rocky
0: hey that that's perfect for the Rocky Mountains right there but I, I do think in in general like it's just gonna be really fascinating to see how he responds to that adversity because it felt like he crumbled when things did not work out well this last year. There were throws on the run that didn't make it anywhere near their target. when he was facing pressure due to a horrible offensive line play last year like that's 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 kind of problematic. and like there there's a lot I think that people can. Look to to say, okay, that things will things will improve. I know that Mike McGlinchey was a big signing at the right tackle spot. I know that uh, there there is some hope that Garrett Bowles comes back and is healthy and ready to go at the left tackle spot. I'm not sure about all of the all of the actual nuances to uh, the the storyline that you're you're outlining here. But this is why we have you on, Bree This is why we we have you here. um Before we, we take a sound break, sound
1: impeccable. Just to put oh, it out there.
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, hey, I. I, people people forget that I played three years of football with Christian McCaffrey at Fowler. Like I, I did play, and played for a while, and and, and consider myself pretty good, and consider myself uh, at least okay. So I, I've got some I've got some football background, so I, I feel pretty comfortable. Like uh, just just bragging a little bit on that, but uh, no, it's okay. Let's uh, tell you what. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will come. We will talk about. Broncos training camp storylines what everybody wants to hear what everybody wants to know about the Broncos and where they go from here but first everybody as you know this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports folks you hear that that's the sound of football coming back and now is the time uh, it's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook they're the most trusted name in Vegas and now you can use promo code mile high to score up the $250 with their first bet bonus win or lose they will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do is download that Superbook Sports app. Uh, don't miss out on this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports with that promo code MILEHIGH. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions, gambling problem, call 1 800 GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here joined by Bree Mastis of the LTB podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. Really appreciate it. I see uh, Joey and Zach in the chat. They're all hanging out. You've got the entire crew here. We're chilling. We're chatting. Uh, you guys, I'll, I'll make sure to have on the entire crew at some point. Maybe we can do like a week one watch party or something like that. That would be, that'd be pretty fun. Um, I'm sure you guys have other plans and way, way more <laughs> important and, and complicated than just hanging out with me, but um we'll make time for
1: you Ryan that's for sure (laughs) oh yeah I like Zach's comment
0: uh you're on the team that trounced my Fairview Knights in the state championship I I enjoyed that game that was a fun game from the Valor point of view that was uh probably not a fun point of view for for Zach though my my guy good to good to talk to you we'll have to we will have to reminisce on Christian McCaffrey running up and down the sidelines I'm sure you'll (laughs) really appreciate that um all right, let's go to training camp storylines now. Let's talk about what Nuggets fans, but also just just in general, like what Broncos fans, what and what NFL fans, what they want to know about the Broncos. You were just at the first official day of training camp today. Mm-hmm. What stood out? Uh, you've you've got the sunburns to prove it. You showed like I know you're not showing the shoulder now, but got the sunburns to prove it. Like she's 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 out there putting in the work, folks. Uh, so. Tell us what's going yeah, on. Yeah, what, I, what I do covered, we need to know?
1: I covered that sunburn because it was atrocious. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad it was until I <laughs> nah, got a you're camera. Fine. And I was like, I missed that on the sunscreen. But obviously day one of training camp, although technically it's day three because they had some acclimation practices prior to coming in. I know NBA training camp doesn't start until October 3rd. So NBA fans, you have a ways to go, but we're right into training camp week for the Denver Broncos. And I think walking in today, I joked about it when we got on the call here, Ryan, was that it felt like the first day of school. There was a lot of nervousness as you walked into Dove Valley. Um, I think there was the idea that you didn't know what you were going to see because Sean Payton's keeping a wrap on everything. You want to talk about secretive co- uh, coaches. I know Michael Malone is sort of very tactical and strategic in the way that he, you know, converses with the media. Sean Payton is more of the, uh, I don't, I'm not going to talk to you until I'm ready to talk to you. And here's what you're going to know. I don't know how many similarities are there. And I have a question for you on that. So remind me. Um, but I think what was interesting when you walked in is the stark differences from, last season. Last season, the training camp was very much so adverse to contact and Sean Payton wanted to make sure the players not only came into camp in a conditioned, uh, serviceable, uh, I, I want to say like body weight and conditioning. So they're able to you know, not even break a sweat when they're out there warming up. And I want to say every single player I saw out there looked incredible shape. That includes a Russell Wilson resurgence because I alluded to it earlier. He kind of had gone into a bulk period. He's now very lean. Um, I likened it to the Nikola Jokic period in 2020, where he took that break and he came back and he was, uh, meaner than ever. So I think that there's stark contrast there. Nikola Jokic obviously two-time MVP. Russell Wilson, do we see that type of input and output from him? Not sure yet, but training camp going in very different, very quiet. There's no music. Sean Payton, I think, is going to take the old school route. That's what he's known for as an old school coaching style. Um, and I think his philosophy will fall in line there. But he wanted these players to be able to have contact. Right now, they're still in guardian caps. So those big helmets that you see out there are throwing sensors and making sure players aren't getting hit too hard, aren't doing anything too rambunctious. You obviously saw Kareem Jackson out there who was in a bucket hat. He's not participating. Um, I love how they kind of, like warrant it to age Kareem Jackson is not Mm. an old person but because he is one of the more veteran players on the team he gets a day off he is good to go so if there was any concerns there maybe didn't know what was going on he's going to be practicing and probably tomorrow um I want to say the defense, the defense was a big storyline coming in. I was ranking the secondary uh, top five in the NFL. I would say maybe even higher than that, maybe top three. Uh, They're doing a really great job of showing out. And the defense is usually ahead of the offense. Anyways, you're going to see a lot of big plays there. The offense is still trying to figure out how to tie their shoes correctly. And the defense is waiting for them to make a mistake today in what was probably one of the coolest moments. And you almost don't know how they did it. It was kind of a, what the F just happened sort of thing. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. I'm just going to not Russell Wilson (laughs) was uh, trying to make a throw. Uh, Justin Simmons said not today, but, I thought it was just going to get batted out of bounds. Caden Stearns out of absolutely nowhere jumps, rolls out, catches the ball, picks off Russell Wilson in one of the most athletic feats I've ever seen. And I think the crowd was also astonished at what they had just seen. So I'm going to say the defense really kind of stole the show today. And that's a big storyline going in. Are they going to have the regression that has been hypothesized, bringing in a new defensive coordinator, losing coach uh, Evero and then moving into kind of a, a new set of skills. But I think the safeties, the cornerbacks Caden Stern specifically. I'm going to say it right here. Officially on this podcast, it's going to have a breakout season. I have no doubts about it. Watching him out there at practice. He just looks like he's on point. Look for him to start uh, opposite Justin Simmons. And then I think we we covered it a lot when we were talking about Russell Wilson. Does he have gas in the tank? That's what everyone's waiting to see. Training camp is get out of training camp with no injuries. Make sure everyone knows their roles, read the playbook, learn the rules, knows how to set themselves up in time. It's all just really making sure the mistakes don't happen in the game. What I really want to know is, has Sean Payton done enough? Has he gone outside of his comfort zone? Has he become innovative in his attempts to help Russell Wilson achieve the very best Russell Wilson he can be? And that's what we're all really waiting on. There's some other ones because, you know, Javante Williams suffered a Just absolute freakish knee injury with that ACL, LCL, PCL, all the ligaments just basically tearing in his knee to be returning. He was out there today, a little limited. He's obviously not going full speed, but he will probably be available this season, which is something we didn't think was going to happen when it happened. And I know, That just made all of Nuggets Country, kind of our Nuggets Country, Nuggets Nation, really clench inside of them. Their hearts dropped into their stomachs because they remember what happened to Jamal Murray. And we're hoping to see a return to form for Javante Williams. That's one of the most important things. There's obviously a lot more returns from injury, but I feel like I'm very breathy in my response.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. No, I'm. It's that's a lot of good information there, and I want to start let's let's go back to something that you said about offense versus defense because that's been a thing in Broncos country for a while now especially i mean it even was when when Peyton Manning was there but basically every year the defense is ahead of the offense every single season that's there's no exception part of that is just the nature of football obviously where it is easier to pick up on those concepts of understanding your reads on the defense and then you're going to read and react to what the offense does when the offense they have to perfect these timings and everything that that create those opportunities for themselves um the big thing is that ever since and i'm I'm gonna just break it off at 2016 (laughs) where the super bowl happened the offense has been a disaster pretty much every single season like every single one and you hear out of training camp every single time, all oh, the defenses—they're—they're they're winning. They're—they're they're defeating the offense in pretty much every single rep. There isn't a lot of success. I thought that we would see something different last year after you bring in Russell Wilson, and you still heard a lot of the same stuff. Just in terms of, okay, we're not really sure uh, what's actually like. Like, is this going to translate? Is this not going to translate? So. Uh, when i hear a lot about okay Caden Stearns makes a great pick justin simmons is a great tip in order to to uh, force that that interception it's great for the defense there's no doubt about it but how much are you kind of weaving into that okay like if you're having success with on one side of the on the one side with one unit is it directly correlated to the lack of potency of the other side
1: No, I don't think, I don't think that that is a hundred percent like the, the causation of the defense being very good. I, I think, this defense for the Denver Broncos is one of the more talented rosters across the NFL. So I let think me that be clear.
0: Let me be clear. Like in each of these last like seven seasons, the defense has basically been top 10 for much of that time. So yeah. I don't want to bemoan what the defense has accomplished more of what I'm saying is, okay, you still need the quarterback in order to get across <laughs> the threshold. And that in each of those times, it was still like, it was obviously a problem that you're hoping to solve.
1: I think the way you can look at it, though, is that Russell Wilson has to go against the number one, you know, ranked safety uh, in most years, Justin Simmons, and the number one ranked quarterback, cornerback in Patrick Sertan. When you're going Stop. against that, and a bevy of of young, young talent that's coming up. Damari Mathis really showed out today, had a pass breakup. Uh, you're just seeing the offense get picked apart by a defense that's just kind of miles ahead. I, I I understand the question of like the hesitancy of like, should the offense really be rolling here? And I think you see it in every training camp across the nation right now is those quarterbacks are getting picked off and they're not happy about it. Um, Russell Wilson was getting chased down by Zach Allen today and he, he sort of got out of it. I think it would have been a sack, um, initially if it was actually on the field, but he, you know, tucked and ran, uh, And he ran all the way to the other side of the field. So a lot of the times I think it's just spurring kind of that in-game quickness that they have to be used to. And when you have some of the absolute best uh, defensive backs out there, just hunting everything that you do, I think it makes you process a little bit differently. Russell Wilson. um, No, kind of struggles in certain aspects of his long game in his ability to uh, see certain parts of the field and the defensive backs are going to know how to pick that apart and kind of eat it up. So I think it's kind of unfair when you know what your quarterback does, but I wouldn't put that, against Russell Wilson in the offense. And I love the point that you brought up about the offensive line. Sean Payton's number one um, priority coming in as a new coach, uh, he knew specifically that he had to target the offensive line. So you bring in a Mike McGlinchey, a Ben Powers, you couple them with a Quinn Miners, who is looking also to take a really large leap in the right direction to become a top 10 guard in the NFL. And then you, you know, create continuity within the offensive line to where it's very fluid among that unit. They need to rely on each other and anchor positions and communicate in a way that I'm hoping Chuck Payton and his new offensive line coach, um, Zach Streif are able to accomplish here because if they are not, you know, uh, one of the top offensive lines in the league, you're going to see that affect the quarterback play as well. You need pretty ideal circumstances. Patrick Mahomes has some of the best protection in the AFC, if not the whole uh, league, just because he's able to do so many things as a, um, you know, pocket passer and he's able to get out of trouble. And that's all because of his offensive line. So when you have something working there, I think you're going to see great things for your quarterback right now during uh, training camp it's really hard to isolate what the trenches are doing it's really hard to see what the run game's going to do because it's not the same type of speed so I think that's the only reason it looks a little janky sometimes
0: hmm. yeah no and that's completely fair like if, if especially if you're a quarterback if you're worried about the pressure then you're never going to be able to worry about what's down the field anyway so and it just it felt like a lot of the time last year the Russell Wilson was very skittish so that is a that's a that's a big piece of this The hey, if you're if you're not thinking about the rotating carousel of, of offensive linemen, then and you're just thinking about what you're going to do down the field, then that, that probably feels a little bit better. So hopefully that goes in the right direction. Um, give me another couple of standouts that that Nuggets fans and, and Broncos fans should really be paying attention to.
1: Well, Justin Simmons is probably the number one. Also, because I think he's probably the best basketball player on the Mm. Broncos team. Justin Simmons is coming into a season where he just wants to win. almost all of his career since 2016. Yeah, has been the downfall of kind of what you would expect from having the number one safety in the league. So Justin Simmons is someone you're going to want to watch because he is always hungry. Last season, he had six interceptions. Uh, That marks three consecutive seasons with five or more. Uh, If you like exciting, splashy defensive play, which I certainly do, he was able to do what he did last season and get six interceptions, not even playing all of the games. He was uh, rattled with a little bit of the injury bug, which most of the Denver Broncos roster was. I would say, high key, pay attention to Justin Simmons. He never disappoints. A very fun watch out of him. Um, Caden Stearns, already mentioned him earlier, really thinking a breakout season. And then Sean Payton likes to call this player the Joker, which I don't love Mm -hmm. that he stole the moniker. I don't like it. I've been watching Nikola Jokic for so long now that I think that needs to be trademarked and we can't apply it to anyone else. But in the joker role for Sean Payton's offense, you're going to be looking for a player who can do a lot of everything. This season, that's going to be Greg Dulcich. I think Russell Wilson is going to uh, at least heavily favor him in opportunities. You could see it today at training camp, although they didn't connect today in the way that you'd want to see, but you did see more targets in his direction. Greg Dulcich has been sidelined with a little bit of a hamstring injury. The only thing that gets in between those two next season is injury, and the best availability is uh, your health.
0: Best ability is availability. That's a, that's a <laughs> basketballism if we've ever heard one for sure. Um, no, I I think, and Dulcich is a really interesting one because that that's always, you, you hear this from a very young age is that the, the best friend for a quarterback is that, that tight end that is like your check down option or somebody that's your, your big target that you can help move the sticks and it's your, your eight yard, uh, hook routes or your, your out routes, whatever. Um, and he seems like a guy, I mean, he was a rookie last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but yes, correct. Um, rookie last year showed off some talent, seems like a very strong athlete, somebody who can really get moving out there. And like, I, I think one of the things when you talk about creativity, you're going to have to be creative with this offense, because if it's like, he's, he's like, especially with where Russell Wilson is, as opposed to maybe where he was at the beginning of his career, like towards the, the prime years of his career he isn't going to just sit back and pick pick people people apart. Like that's just not what he's going to do anymore. And it's like, if you're a, like to compare this to basketball terms, you're not just going to spam pick and roll. Like you're, you're, that's, that's not what you can do. uh, Just running your traditional stuff. You have to get creative. You have to use the back, like the backdoor plays you've got to create some other kind of janky stuff. That's not necessarily your traditional stuff. Like your traditional offense, your go-to, but what it is, is, uh, your, your gadget plays, your misdirection stuff, things like that. Maybe he could, maybe he could do some of that.
1: Yeah. I I love it. Spam and pickle rolls. I'm, I'm on, I'm on board. (laughs) Um, I'm joking, of course. Uh, (laughs) but now I'm I'm hungry. Um, I would assume that, yeah, you'd want to see that kind of, uh, flashy plays but you don't want to get too crazy with it here in in the game of the uh nfl in football it moves so quickly and players really have a very short window Uh, you see release times in the nfl um tom brady being a a quicker or uh, not having to be a quicker one because he was just able to um roll out and kind of take a a little bit of a longer time he to throw the ball so you want to your quarterback having a lot of time to process the game. And you want them going through their reads and progressions. Patrick Mahomes is an anomaly. He's an absolute insane creation. I think he might actually be an alien. Not quite sure. We can get into aliens on another time. But what you want from Russell Wilson is what is going to put him in, and I say it again, ideal situations. You know the house plant that you water on the wrong Tuesday and it dies? Um, yeah. You really want the ideal situation for – for um, Russell Wilson right now. And I think most of that goes into the new system that goes into a new coach that goes into coming off a really rocky year He's done the preparatory work. He's a he's a professional football player. All of that kind of goes out the window when you don't have the protection, when you don't have an offensive line, when you don't have a running game. And Sean Payton went ahead and, you know, addressed that as well by bringing in Samajay Ryan. They didn't draft a running back, but they did make some very strong decisions at running back to ensure that they could make potential moves also because Training camp just started. There's a couple of holdouts within the league. Do they address it there? Again, I'm on another tangent because I'm so passionate about it. But with Russell Wilson, it's 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 kind of like who's going to be his target? It's going to be Greg Dulcich. It's going to be somebody who can do it all, who's maybe not the best blocking tight end. You brought in free agents Austin Troutman and Chris Manhurts to do that job for you. Do what Greg Dulcich does well, and that's catch balls from Russell Wilson. As long as Russell hits him right on the money, I have no fear about that. Uh, Today, he did catch him a little bit over the shoulder, a little bit behind. Um, And so as long as you clear that up in camp, I think you're going to see a really fun connection. Um, Greg Dulcich is going to be my, you know, my joker pick. And then Tim Patrick lot of chemistry between him and Russell Wilson if you're looking for kind of that number two uh, idea you're looking for a Tim Patrick Tim Patrick obviously coming mm-hmm. back from an ACL injury. I think it's time for him to start getting that love that he was building up with Russell Wilson prior to being injured. So really excited to see what Tim Patrick can do. I'm looking for him to lead the team in touchdowns. I know that there is a lot of love to spread around. You have a lot of talented targets out on the field for Russell Wilson. He's going to have to determine which one he can count in, count on time in and time out.
0: We've got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Greg Dulcich, you've got Javante <laughs> Williams coming back. There's a lot of there's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense, and you've got an improved offensive line. Like it, it does seem like like what you're talking about, ideal circumstances for a quarterback who you want some stability, you want some options, spread the ball around, hit the open guy, let them make plays. That should be a pretty easy pitch and catch kind of formula. So hopefully that's I I'm, I'm liking what you're selling, Bree. Like the the elevator pitch, it's working. I I think. I think all Nuggets fans should, should feel uh, very similarly. Uh, so we will absolutely see like whether that actually comes to pass or not. I'm, I'm very hopeful. I, I think it can. But when we come back, I want to do two things. We're going to talk Michael Malone versus Sean Payton, and then we're going to do titles and talk about Denver sports titles and uh, maybe compare this particular title to Denver Broncos titles of the years past. We will be right back. But first, uh, let's – do a message from Scott DeHuff. Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. You got to check out my podcast, DeHuff Uncensored. I give an unfiltered reaction to all the crazy headlines from across the globe, and I'm not afraid to give an honest opinion about the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, and Rockies. It's the DeHuff Uncensored podcast. Subscribe, listen, laugh. Good guy, Scott the Huff. Really appreciate that. All right. We are back here. Brie Mastis is here. She is helping me cover uh, like step outside the, the box a little bit and do a little bit of Denver Broncos coverage. So wanted to like we just went over training camp storylines, but one of the big training camp storylines that I don't think you really mentioned, Sean Payton's got a mouth on, I guess. Like that's, <laughs> that's something that's, uh, that's, that's become apparent, I guess. Uh he he apologized for his comments made and directed towards uh, Nathaniel Hackett. I think earlier today, but uh, very interesting to see uh, some some comparisons between Michael Malone and Sean Payton. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what Sean Payton said?
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> I can. Uh, This was actually two days ago. We got the transcript in the morning, uh, yesterday morning, and then today the comments have been sort of walked back, and so I wanted to throw that out there before I kind of relegated those thoughts. Sean Payton might have been in his uh, Fox commentary days or something happened because Mm -hmm. he let loose on the prior regime, basically saying, yeah, Russell still has something in the tank. Uh, Did you see the shit show last season the coaching was was pretty mediocre he said some really um poignant things about the organization and i think that's what caught me off guard he wanted to support his quarterback that is what i believe his true intentions were coming into a situation and throwing NFL coaches who are still coaching in the league under the bus. And some of them, you know, being the Walton Penner group, the team president, and uh, some staff members who were on the team last season had to kind of stand by and witness these quotes. I don't have the full quote in front of me, but it was very glaring on Nathaniel Hackett and the job that was done throughout the the coaching staff for the Denver Broncos, I was shocked. Now, let me tell you, when I first heard and and read through the comments, I was like, okay, I like a little fire. I like a little passion. But as the day began to wear on, to me, I felt like nothing he said was untrue. I think Sean Payton was very truthful, and I've been told in the past that maybe I have too much candor sometimes. So I could, you know, understand where maybe he just got – fed up with it. And he decided to have a moment in which he was going to be very transparent with somebody. Um, I don't know why it was USA Today. I don't know why it was the interview he he chose to do so. And I don't know why it was right before camp, but he chose to have some words and Broncos Country was receptive. I think Broncos Country wanted to see some passion. I think it goes back to the air of last season. Last season was very much so a pony show. It was a let's prance around Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett was leading the reins. And I think that that was a frustrating circumstance for Sean Payton to um, have to adopt and have to kind of untie. The man is all about um, the foundational experience of the team. And I think what he wanted to do is just burn it to the ground so that he could rebuild. The walk back today, I think, is purely just so that it's an, you know, ask for forgiveness later. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I think that it's truthful. He probably meant most of it. Uh, And at the end of the day, yes, I think that there is some candor that needs to be held a standard to when you're the coach of an NFL team. Um, But Sean Payne's going to do Sean Payne. That is consistently what we've seen out of him. I think that's the most genuine you can ask from somebody, whether you like it or not, it's going to be subjective to me, very shocking, but I think, I think it needed to be said. I think you need to clear that air. You apologize to the organization who's still there and kind of had a problem with it. And then you let the fan base know you're not going to you're not going to let this happen. You're not going to not make a charge at a winning season. You're not going to put the team in a predicament in which they cannot find success. And so, yeah, it's been a wild 48 hours. I don't I could I can't even tell you.
0: It's it, not going to lie. It was funny, first and <laughs> foremost, uh, just just reading some of the quotes and, and seeing some of the reaction. And like I'm not going to lie. Like I, I was I was pretty impressed by it. I think that it is important to be able to be open and honest about certain things, especially when they were as bad as they were. I'm not going to lie to you. I week one last year was when the team lost me. Like they, they lost a lot of people, I think during week one last year, where for those that don't remember, Denver goes back to Seattle. They're on the road. They have an opportunity to win the game. All you have to do is manage the fourth quarter drive like reasonably well. And the, the clip of the Manning cast will live on in infamy in terms of him. Just like, like all like, please call timeout. Come on, please call timeout as, as, this clock is bleeding dry. And then you ask Brandon McManus to go kick a 67 yarder. Like it's, it was stupid, frankly. And there were a lot of stupid decisions that were made. And I think I I have a lot of sympathy for Broncos fans. I have a lot of sympathy for people that are watching this happen, watching the house burn down and are wondering why is nobody grabbing a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Like what's going on. And I, I can understand why a lot of people had that same strong reaction. And so good on Sean Payton for being willing to say the thing. And hopefully, like, it sounds like he's bringing more professionalism or trying to bring more professionalism. Now, this kind of runs just slightly counterintuitive to that, but he's, uh, he seems like he's well on the way of getting the Broncos roster to respect him, which I think is the most important thing.
1: Yeah. And it looks like the roster does. I think the locker room does stand behind what Sean Payton is trying to do. There's always going to be the, the odd few who maybe don't, there's, there's plenty of people in your life that you meet and they're not going to love you. And that's just a, a difference maker here, but the ultimate goal for this team is to move forward with the coaching staff that they have and win some games, or at least try to, um, Ryan, you're bringing up crazy moments from last season. How about, uh, going into overtime with the Colts on Thursday night football and mile high stadium begins to funnel its, out because they just can't watch any more football. And I
0: remember that game. That was the disgusting game. That was a disgusting show, like for sure. Ugh.
1: I do have a question for you though. Can mm-hmm. you tell me the most out-of-pocket thing that Michael Malone has uh, said to you in 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 press to the media?
0: <laughs> oh, I mean he was on a an absolute roll this last year, not gonna lie. Um the the times where he has both gotten the most brushback and also the most credit with the fan base or when he goes at major markets or when he's like, you know what? We don't give a damn about like your, like your, like the, the famous one is take the L on the way out back in 2019. It's like, we don't want any converts. We're like, don't jump on the bandwagon. You're either with us or against us, but you could be a Celtics fan, a Warriors fan, Lakers fan, but take the L on the way out was just an absolute gem. Um, And then everything that he said about the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals was unbelievable. And the one that really stands out to me was it's, it's after game one, it it was an unbelievable presser first and foremost, but the Rui Hachimura adjustment was one thing. The other thing that gets less press was D'Angelo Russell had a really bad game in the first game of that series for the Lakers and Michael Malone in kind of his best, uh, like, troll voice, was like, You know, D'Angelo Russell is really important to what they do. Um, they didn't really have a good game this, this last game. I think that's a really big storyline. He <laughs> said <laughs> that to, to a crowd of reporters who look around at each other like, OK, so this is this is really what's going on right now. He's going at other players on other teams like during the like it. It is one to zero in the in the series. And like it, I, I don't think I've ever heard any coach do that before. And Michael, like it's one of the reasons why I want to compare these two guys. Michael Malone and Sean Payton are very comparable, in my opinion, in how honest they are, how forthcoming they are and how much professionalism they demand from their team.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head. I think there's a lot of other similarities too. um, And I think there's a lot of mirroring um, entities to them. So we talked about a little bit how their timelines kind of miss each other and how they kind of peak and valley through that as well. But if you talk about old school coaching philosophies and adopting chaos and having to create innovation, I know I kind of spoke to it earlier, but are you dug into the old school ways that have got it done in, in years past, or do you innovate, which I think Sean Payton is going to have to do. Um, Obviously from the bill Parcells coaching tree, there's a lot of law and order to Bill Parcells. Um, There's a lot of, nothing's going to fly unless it flies by me sort of mentality. And I think that he could soften an edge here and not necessarily change anything, but I want to know what his plan is for an evolution in the league that he's been out for a year. What can he replicate from Michael Malone and what he um, was able to do with the Denver nuggets? Because I think both, both coaches were tasked with um, building a foundation they, they they came in with kind of nothing. They came in, in in a lot of stirring chaos. The Denver Broncos have a really talented team at a lot of positions, but they don't have the leadership. They don't have the direction. They don't have the momentum. A lot of that was stolen. The wind was completely taken from uh, the sails for this team. So how do you ramp that back up? And I think, I think there's a lot of um, – uh, lines of similarities that you can draw and it'll be interesting to see how much they do line up in how many years that Sean Payton is going to be a coach, which, you know, could be three, could be five or how does that change? How does that evolve with the Denver Broncos? So um, I want to know kind of your take when we were talking a little bit about 2015 and I'm not trying to take hosting duties hmm. from you, but I, I really want to know how does Michael Malone I guess evolve from here because what he's really good at is taking players where they're at and adjusting around them to get the best out of them. And he's done that with every player he's really been in uh, contact with. He really got the best out of, um, uh, boogie cousins. And I think that he was able to really bring a lot of professionalism out of him. And I think that that was really missing. And I think that he's been able to take these players and not try to jam them into a square uh, hole uh, with a round peg. So I want to know, <laughs> Joey is calling me out right now because I'm notorious for this. <laughs> I kind of want to know, like how do you glean that from, from what Michael Malone does best? And that is really pedestal his players and change the game around him. Do you first, I, I think that's what Sean Payton needs to do moving into the season. I got another.
0: Yeah, oh, you're good. You're good. I think it's interesting to, because my, my ultimate philosophy, if I were to run a team and I'm, I'm not a professional, but if, if I were to run a team, if I were to operate, I would try to understand the players that I have at my disposal as best as I possibly can. And, At that point, then you start to tailor things. Then you start to create a system that maximizes that talent as best as you can, as opposed to like what you're talking about with the Bill Parcells system that he or the Bill Parcells tree that he he kind of falls into. I, I think that there were some like if I if I recall, I think that there were absolutely some reasons to be skeptical of Sean Payton based off of the final years in New Orleans without Drew Brees. Where you had to then create some new magic, and you really struggled with that. You really struggled to create new things. Like the most innovative thing that he had was uh, uh, the the hybrid quarterback that that was also playing tight end. I, I don't remember his name. Like Taysom uh, Hill. Taysom Hill, that's the one. I, I was thinking Taysom Day, but that's a that's a different guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, yeah, pretty very 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 close. Um, but what Michael Malone has done. And he has a cheat code in Nikola Jokic, so I don't want to give him the entire amount of credit here. But you allow your players the opportunity to sort of dictate what is best for them. And he did that on both the offensive end and defensive end because your players are so smart, they are so talented, they are so capable, and they're coachable. And so if they tell you a certain thing, the players tell you a certain thing, it is a collaborative approach of being able to kind of go back and forth on, okay, this worked. This didn't is the thing that didn't work. Is that a problem? Should we be working on that or should we be changing it up? Uh, these are the, the things that all coaches have to go through in terms of, okay, why is the system? Is the, the system that's bad? Is that the player's not executing the system? Things like that. There's a lot there. And I think that a guy like Sean Payton might get stuck in his ways, but Michael Malone has not been stuck in his ways but he was also proven right that like he, he's been proven over the course of this time that when others wanted him to change up the personnel, wanted him to change up the scheme, they stuck with it and they won a title because they were persistent on that as well. So like it's a it's a very delicate balance between, OK, we we need to adapt a little bit versus we need to change things up completely versus say, hey, let's just stick entirely with it. That that play was bad. We'll get them on the next one.
1: Absolutely. And uh, kind of the last comparison, because I, I find this one pretty, pretty funny when we're talking about the way that Michael Malone was sort of viewed when he was hired was this creature of comfort of rigid um, structure. Like that is how he was able to kind of Um, do what he does is that he loves the rigidity and the structure of the teams that he builds. And and that's just his coaching style. He's very much so big on accountability. Um, And I think that the same thing can be very apparent for Sean Payton. And I was speaking a little bit to that, but I kind of wanted to say the accountability piece is what's coming into play during training camp is, did the players do what they were supposed to when they came in? Are they conditioned? Have they been working out? Have they been following the rules? Have they not been getting suspended for gambling. I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming up right now that Sean Payton is going to have to deal with as far as accountability. And it's keeping your players accountable uh, accountable to be able to come in. Are you ready to go? Have you learned the playbook? Are you going to be on time? Are you going to make silly game management mistakes that cost timeouts and, and screw up first downs? But the rigidity and structure is also what's throwing Broncos country off, I think. And I wonder if it did the same thing for the Nuggets because right now you're seeing Sean Payton wants to do things the way that he wants to do them. And they seem a little strange and maybe a little... I want to say like, he's got his thumb down on what he wants this team to look like. To me, that seems positive because he's very much so establishing an identity and an era for the Denver Broncos, but it is rigid. It's very much. So the Sean Payton structure, we're going to do this this way and you're not going to deviate from it. Um, Was there some of the same issues with Michael Malone when he came in in 2015, was he viewed the same way?
0: No, I, I honestly think that, and, and my, my, Brain gets a little bit fuzzy on the earlier pieces of that because I, w- I was mostly in South Carolina for a lot of that, but I do have a lot of secondhand knowledge there. Um, Michael Malone, when he was like, he was still establishing himself clearly. He he was very, I, I wouldn't say worried, but definitely concerned about whether he would get another coaching job again. And then he got one in Denver and he wasn't the proven head coach at that point that, a Sean Payton was and had to be adaptive had to be willing to try things um, but he always was about playing hard making sure you know that your players love that, that you love your players and that they know that he loves them mm-hmm. and trying to keep them as accountable as possible for even if like the like the actual result wasn't good if the process isn't good then it it almost doesn't matter, and I think he he's definitely more of a process oriented coach, and that's borne out over the course of several years. Is that the process began eight years ago, and he's had to work work towards that consistently every single day, and the players bought into that culture. I'm not sure if it's going to be like it, it's not going to quite be like it'll be a, it'll be a major adjustment for Sean Payton, and th- I think there are ways that the Broncos can definitely turn that around a little bit sooner than what the Nuggets did, because it's just kind of the nature of the sport too. But given where they are in their timeline, I think they need somebody more like Sean Payton than they needed somebody like Michael Malone. Michael Malone is, I think he was still developing at that point and still trying to figure out his own coaching voice. And he, he says this all the time that like back in 2015, 2016, when he was first starting with the Nuggets, there are things that he did then that he would never do now, just ever (laughs) ever and like he had to learn he had to mellow out he was very fiery back then and he's he's still fiery now but not quite as much and i think age begets that i think he's probably the positive version of what nathaniel hackett was supposed to be and with sean payton he's like bringing in eric spolstra who's a great <laughs> great head coach which that's that feels a little bit different if you're a if you're a Broncos fan, and you you should be happy about Sean Payton being in town.
1: Yeah, he's a proven winner. He's got that Super Bowl under his belt. I think that's enough for the Arsenal because we're looking in chasing a second one for Sean Payton. I I really hope it turns around. I know that there's there's some patience to the game. I know it took a long time for the Denver Nuggets to get back, but gosh dang it, I, I need to see some wins pile up for the Denver Broncos.
0: I totally understand. Let me take back control of my podcast now, Brie. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do one more thing here really briefly. Uh, this 2023 Nuggets title, was it more or less impressive than the 1997-98 Broncos title?
1: Okay, so this is a loaded question,
0: right? Mm, I, I, I first of all, yeah. I,
1: need to know, I need to know how old you were when the Broncos won that first uh, Super Bowl. I, I was
0: one year old.
1: Okay, I don't feel good anymore. And <laughs> in, in an effort to not um, expose my age, I'm just going to say I was, you know, young. I wasn't one, but uh, it was a different time for me as a Nugget or a Broncos fan. So my parents went to that Super Bowl. Um, It was something that was born to me as lore. Uh, It was the first championship. To me, I didn't understand the impact there. Super Bowl 50 was kind of like when I started to understand um, the Super Bowl. So for me, I'm going to say the Nuggets recent final and grant granted granted it's 47 years in the making for the Broncos since the uh, NFL merger in 1970. There's a little smaller gap there, 27 years. Uh, so it's a little different, but they had been through so much heartbreak and, and I'm not, I don't, it's so hard to talk about this without like being like Nuggets fans, you don't have it hard. Like, no, you've been through your own bout of being on the sub level floor of a league. Um, But the Broncos started making these runs to Super Bowls and falling short in heartbreaking fashion. So I think the first Super Bowl win for the Denver Broncos, you've got it at the helm. John Elway, Terrell Davis. Then you've got the Nuggets, uh, Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray. I mean, you've got your tandem superstar duo. You have like this absolutely... Um, kind of spiritual awakening when that championship happened. So it's like almost impossible to compare them, but I am such a recency biased person. I'm still buzzing about the Denver Nuggets winning the Larry OB. Like I, it's been nothing but like a joyous feeling to be a sports fan. Um, I would say as far for the state of Colorado for the Broncos to be able to um, lift themselves out of the cellar, uh, overcome the heartbreak and then make one of the most magnificent runs, eventually beating uh, the green Bay Packers, there for the Lombardi trophy. I would just say, because the first one's so special, you got to go with that one.
0: I totally understand. And I think I agree. I wanted to ask the question because I mean, Hey, we're, we're a, a nuggets podcast that's covering the Broncos right now here. We wanted to want to at least uh, touch on it a little bit and, be able to talk about it. I do like, I mean, the helicopter is the the most emblematic play in Denver sports history, I would say. Um, that's that's one that everybody knows. And I, I was one year old and I was watching that. So like, I mean, I totally, not not actually, but I, I have seen several clips of that. I've seen, seen it over and over and over again. And it is just kind of part of Denver sports culture. And it, it, in a way that I think so many of these others probably wouldn't be. Um, what I will say, and here, there's a, a good quick stat for you before we wrap up. The nuggets are the first team in the Western conference. That's not from California are actually, oh, they're the, they're the third team, the third different franchise since like 1977 or so to actually win a championship that's in the Western conference and not in California. The others are the San Antonio Spurs and the Dallas Mavericks. Those are the only two. And Denver just joined that that's 45 years. And wow. it's insane to think about that, because you talk about the Lakers and the Warriors, and like those teams have they've accumulated a lot of championships between then and now. But so much of the NBA world is tied up in California, Miami, uh, Boston, like Chicago, like all of these like big markets that have had these major superstars. And for Denver to finally join them, is a really, really massive accomplishment, and I never thought that we would ever see it before. So it's uh, it was a really, really big deal. Do I think it's at, at the same level of the cultural thing that, that became the Broncos trophy? No, uh, but I also think that it's got a really great shot,
1: it, it really does. Uh, my dad texted me, he was emotional, and, and he, he it, it just it brought out a lot of really interesting emotions from people. Here's the thing, though. The Broncos went back to back. So I think, you know, if the Nuggets mm. go back to back, I will I will flip my pick. I will say, you know what, Ryan Blackburn, you get that win, because I think you're right. It was such a <laughs> a culturally significant moment in recent memory for the Denver Nuggets to be able to do that. The abs was so fun to do it another year. I like how spoiled are we to get that championship parade wow. year after year? It It's nice to be a uh, mile high city fanatic. It's nice to be a part of the fandoms. Um, if you're interested in being a fan of the Denver Broncos and you're not sure where to start, let me help you. And at the end of the day, I just love that we can come together as two people who talk very different sports and just kind of lament about how passionate we are about both of them.
0: Absolutely agree. And it comes through in completely different ways, but also just very emotionally and passionate ways. And I hope th- hope everybody could see that in this show. Uh, hope everybody can see the wonderful Bree Mastis doing her thing for the Let's Talk Broncos podcast Uh, If you have anything else you'd like to plug before we end the show, let everybody know.
1: Uh, Not right now. You can find me over on Let's Talk Broncos. What I need you to do, though, is go subscribe over there so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard from me, you're going to love what you hear over there. You can also catch me on the Fan Cave for Mile High Sports Radio 1 to 2 p.m. on Mondays. That's right there for Mile High Sports Radio. And then if you're interested in the nine hours I did of radio this week, you can check it out over on Spotify. Search Broncos Country Tonight or over on iHeartRadio. But please, come support me and the boys. Joey Richards, Zach Seegers—they do a fantastic job of driving me crazy every Monday and Wednesday. We go live over there and we take fan questions. We interact, and we love it. So please, if you can, go support us.
0: I love it, and I, you guys deserve a bigger audience. Like you, you deserve as many people that are like like Broncos fanatics as possible. And we're gonna we're gonna drag the Nuggets fans over there. I, I swear, we're gonna do it. We're gonna make it happen.
1: We are your you, we are your Nuggets Broncos podcast.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, she is Brie at Brie 303. Got the hashtag on Twitter. X, are we, are we doing this again? Like we're, we're going to, we're just going to skip right past that. Everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to like and subscribe to the video on youtube make sure to follow everything on on apple podcast spotify if you're listening on the audio version uh but for this weekend i will say adieu we'll be back on monday chatting all things denver nuggets thank you so much everybody